Hello, Wisconsin indeed. Out of Wisconsin, NBA writer Seth Partner joins us. G'day, Seth. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I was a little worried that you were going to throw it to me and ask me start asking me quick cricket questions, and I was not prepared for that. <laughs> we can. We can We can give it a crack. Uh, Seth, uh, how, how is Milwaukee, Wisconsin this time of year? I imagine the snow's pretty deep outside. Uh, it is It is not deep. There's actually no snow on the ground, but there is some falling right now. So we've had a pretty mild winter from a snow standpoint, but it is below freezing and snowing currently. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's let's talk, uh, instead of weather or cricket, let's talk NBA because I believe that's your strength. Um, so we'll go there. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, we've got the trade window coming up um, and we've seen the Brooklyn Nets been in some fine form. I think they've won 17 of their last 19 games. Um, but Kyrie Irving is out of contract in the summer, um, what chance do you think that Sean Marks looks to trade him, maybe get a couple of younger bodies in um, ahead of uh, the, the end of the season or do you think they will stick uh, and just risk losing him for nothing at the end of the season? I think that given the run you mentioned they've been on they look like a have, have put themselves firmly back in the, the discussion for of championship contenders and I don't think they will or probably should um, given, you know, they, they have Kevin Durant, one of the great players of all time, and his, he, he's in his mid-30s, and his window is not open for very much longer. And I think trading Irving probably, I don't want to say punts on the season, but certainly would hurt their chances of winning the title this season, and I just I can't see them doing that. Um, now, you know, with what do we have, five or six weeks uh, between now and the trade deadline, if they suddenly went on a huge losing streak and, and you know, we're down in, in you know, the, the play-in positions, um, maybe that might be a discussion again. But with them currently tied for second in the East, I I, I can't see that. Yeah, you spoke about the trade deadline in five or six weeks. It uh, comes around the All-Star period time, mate. I see the first fan votes have just come out. Uh, did you get your Did you get your All-Star votes in? I I generally do not vote for awards. Uh, I've I've never I've never had an official uh, ballot for uh, the NBA's own awards, and I and I don't think I'd particularly want one. Um, it it feels kind of weird to, given how those awards are are directly tied to sort of compensation in a lot of player contracts. That feels a little weird. I'm like I'm voting on you getting more money or not. It seems, I, 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 that that makes me vaguely uncomfortable. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Hey, uh, we should we should talk a few. Uh, um, uh, a guy that's probably going to be you know talked about in the in the All Star equation, uh, if not for his injuries, and that's Zion Williamson at the Pelicans. Uh, another hamstring injury for him, out at least three weeks by the sounds of things. Uh, Pelicans had a good win yesterday without him uh, at home against the Rockets, but. You know, if you're the Pelicans or, you know, we, we talked about trades and, and things, if you're another team looking uh, to improve your roster, I mean, Zion Williamson surely now is a, he, I know he's only in, what, his second, maybe third year as a pro, but he, he looks like a real risk. He's, his injury record's not great. It's a, it's weird because on one hand, there's the there's there's the, the injury record, but uh, but on the other hand, he gets to the rim uh, much more frequently, literally than any player ever. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have stats going back to you know Wilt Chamberlain or something like that. Mm. But certainly, since we have we we have kind of shot location data, he gets to to the rim around fifty percent more often than anybody ever. And we're including Shaq. We're talking including Giannis Antetokounmpo. So a player who can just get to high value areas of the court that much despite the other team know, knowing it's coming because his, his jump shot is um, uh, 
you know, to be to be to be nice is a work in progress. They know it's coming. They know he's probably going left, and they still can't stop him. So you're balancing that against kind of the same force that allows him to do that. Probably means his body is not going to to hold up for as long as as some other players. So I think you try to win now while you while while you still have him, you know, relatively whole. We're talking to uh, Seth Part now here on SCNZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Uh, Seth is the author of the mid-range theory, basketball evolutions in the age of analytics. So it was great that you were talking about stats there with Zion getting to the rim. Uh, we were just talking a little bit earlier about um, there's already been 18-9 games this season where a player has had a 40-plus game um, in this NBA season. Uh, look, I, I'm from an analytics side, why, why do you think the scoring so high this year in this year's NBA? Um, it's First, one of the first things is that they, we're, we're playing in an extremely high pace environment. Um, I think this is uh, since the three pointer really became a, a, a big part of of uh, the NBA. This is the third highest pace we've ever seen. Really, the last three, four years have just been uh, teams are just getting up and down the floor more than ever before. Um, and so obviously, just from a, a raw points standpoint, you get more shots, you're going to score more points. Um but the efficiency is way up also. Um, there's a lot of theories on that. Um, I think the imposition of the, uh, the the transition take foul has led to, uh, you know, to, to eliminate kind of the, uh, the professional foul, as you might, as you might uh, call it in a soccer context, has uh, it helped Goose kind of transition scoring a little bit. Um, I think the, the rules are still extremely pro-offense. Uh, there was a... A uh, period where they were calling a lot more dribbling violations this year to kind of cut down on on carrying and players taking an extra step. Um, it's just hard to stay in front of a guy if he can put his hand under the ball or or take another step here or there. So I think that plays a part in it. And then I I think that just the the league has really moved to a place where every team has realized that that you need to have as many skilled players on the floor as possible. And that has a compounding effect. Um, if there's, if you have one guy on the floor who can do who can do things with the ball, it's somewhat easy to guard. Hmm. Two is much is harder. Three is harder still. If you get all the way up to five, all of a sudden there's there's no place you can give help, and and then recover and and hope to contain the ball. So I think that, you know, the advent of more small ball lineups where we have more skilled players who can. You know, the it's it's almost a cliche that the NBA is always looking for guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Well, teams are playing many more lineups with four and five guys who can do that. It's interesting that the evolution of the NBA and of the game, because you know, a, a few years ago when we had the you know that golden uh, run for the Golden State Warriors, uh, and everything seemed to be coming from three point land, and that kind of changed the way the game was played. But now with the faster transitions, it's probably less threes, more twos. Uh, but as you said, the pace of the game is is higher. Uh, do you think that that change in I guess tactic and in philosophy was was you know brought about by coaches trying to look for a way to uh, to, to negate that you know those three point bomb gamer guys like Steph Curry. I think the Warriors were kind of an outlier in that they had two and sometimes when when Kevin Durant was on the team, they had you know three of the best range shooters of all time. Uh, for the most part, I think that that actually the three what the three pointer allows is yes, it's it's a an efficient shot in its own right. But just as I was talking about having more guys who can 
who can you know do things with the ball, having more guys who can space the floor means that getting to the rim is easier. I think there's there's uh, been some stuff. Um, uh, a guy named Lev Akabas, who writes for Sportico, had a had a good uh, article about this a little bit ago, noting that the that players' ability to get to and finish at the rim has been higher this year. Uh, and in part because of the spacing provided by all the shooting. And that's really, even in the three-point era, the game is really won and lost at the rim. The three-pointer just means defenders can't camp out in the paint as much. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 touching on that, um, obviously not being able to camp in the paint, um, three-pointers have come into play. We saw the other night, uh, Donovan Mitchell, 71 p- points. Uh, I'd just like to know where you where you put that in, in the standings of like scoring performances of all time. Obviously, Will Chamberlain, 100 points, Kobe Bryant, so the memorable ones. But where does Donovan Mitchell stand? I mean, the, the big thing about that one is we see a lot of these like big scoring explosions and there's there's some perhaps garbage time padding involved. Mm. And this was an overtime game where, you know, OK, he maybe he hit one or two extra threes in overtime after the game was mostly decided. But they needed every single one of those points. So that's that's the kind of thing that makes it it more impressive to me in terms of like where it ranks all time. I don't know. That's that's it's it's so hard to compare like, you know, a Wilt Chamberlain accomplishment in a completely different environment mm. to today's game. But it certainly is is a performance given that it was that they again, they needed every single one of those points uh, to win the game. Uh, it, it has to be it has to be up there, uh, you know, amongst those. And I think, you know, Do- uh, Devin Booker scored, I believe, 71 a couple of years ago. And it was again, it was a padded it was some padding and garbage time and and you know kobe uh the i believe the fourth quarter of kobe's 81 point game involved a lot of garbage time as well so hmm. um that to me the fact that it was all done in the competitive portions of a game makes it especially impressive yeah yeah it was impressive all right now you, we we talked earlier um Seth about the Nets because they're uh, and, and Kyrie Irving because there had been some talk about the Lakers trying to get Kyrie next to LeBron although what they're going to trade for that I have no idea uh, and you talked about you know being in those playing positions and looking at it's that's when you start looking about you know where do we trade pieces I do wonder you know given that we were just talking about the Golden State Warriors how long Steve Kerr uh, continues um, with with Steph Curry because I mean he's got to have some value but he is getting on and you got a guy like Clay Thompson who can lead a team so when do the Warriors look to maybe make a move where they they let someone like Steph go so they can blow things up and start again and 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 have that rebuilding process, but while still keeping a couple of key pieces. Uh, I think I think never with Steph. I think that the player that the more interesting question is Draymond Green, uh, who is who is his, his contract expires this year. And um, I, I, if you recall back in training camp, there were there were some issues with with him. You know, the the video coming out of him sucker punching Jordan Poole basically um and and just wondering you know as he as his physical skills de- decline how, whether it would be worth paying him you know in his next contract um they've done a good enough job with curry out kind of keeping things afloat that if he's back reasonably soon i think that they're probably more likely to look to add rather than go the other way because much like with durant you have, you know, this singular talent in in Steph, and there's not that much longer where you know he's going to be at that level, and you've got to try to win titles now while you can. So I do think that that they're more likely 
to trade some of the younger players uh, and and try to, to kind of beef up for this year, assuming they're kind of still in contact when when Curry gets back on the floor in a couple weeks. Yeah, Seth, I just want to touch on Ja Morant as well. I mean, last year was a breakout season for him. Uh, a lot of people tipped him to be in the running for MVP this year as well. Season on the court has been pretty good, barring being out for injury for a little bit. But I just wanted to touch on, do you think this is like with the Twitter beefs preseason, um, this altercation with a 17-year-old on the court uh, getting physical with a minor, um, do you think this is the beginnings of an unravelling of, of what could be one of the NBA's bright stars in the future? I, I don't think so. I think he is he is an immensely popular player who uh, his, his popularity has been sort of organic. He has not been someone who who kind of got the marketing machine behind him and became popular that way. It's it's his sort of game and, and force of personality that has has made him an extremely popular player. Um, and I, I, you know, given the uh, given the you know, you mentioned the the off court altercation. Um, given the circumstances of that when it when it, it came out that the that the other other person had had immediately before the incident like thrown the ball at his face. Mm. Um, it's like like people who've who've played like anyone who's played in like a pickup game is like, well, that sounds about right. Yeah, you could be in the face with the ball. What you, you kind of get what you kind of get whatever <laughs> happens next. <laughs> um, so I think I think you know maybe if these start to stack up. Uh, but like the Twitter beefs are just good fun. I mean, I think that's you love that's, it. Um, I, th- I mean, I you know, I, I, rivalry is fun. Intensity is fun. That's the thing that makes us come back and watch. You don't want there to be like cheap, dirty plays on the court. Hmm. But like when the Grizzlies and Warriors play, the game has something extra because you've got you know Dylan Brooks and Clay Thompson going back and forth. Um, so I think that's that. that I think that adds to that that little bit of an edge adds to rather than takes away from his sort of his popularity. I don't like I don't think any of those have like crossed the line into mm. more than like, you know, kind of competitive banter into something like actually nasty. I mean, we're not in a, like a like a Morris Brothers versus Jokic Brothers mm. situation from a couple of years ago. Uh, Seth, looking at how the standings are at the moment, you know, you've got the Celtics out front in the east, uh, but there's only two and a half games between them and the Sixers in fifth. And then over in the west, it's the Nuggets and the Grizzlies tied up at the top, uh, only two and a half games back to the Mavs in fourth. It's It's been a tight season on both sides of the board, which we haven't always seen. You know, we've had teams like, as I mentioned, the Golden State Warriors that dominated Western Conference and the East Bear battle. It looks like the, the finals this season are going to be a heck of a lot closer, maybe a lot harder to call. Who are you liking at the moment? Uh, before the season, I picked Bucks and Nuggets. Um, I feel better about the Nuggets right now than the Bucks. Mm. Um, so I think I'm I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stick with the Nuggets in the West. Um, they've sort of quietly just been very good, very solid all season. Uh, Nikola Jokic, you know, coming off of back to back MVPs. And and playing the summer in Eurobasket kind of eased his way into the season a little bit, but he's having another just absolutely spectacular season. Uh, and with Jamal Murray back healthy, um, Aaron Gordon playing fantastically well. They made a couple of nice uh, additions in the offseason that fit really well with their core in in uh, Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, I think they're they're the most dangerous team in in the West. Uh, New Orleans might be the most talented team, but if history is anything to go by teams don't really make the finals in their first, you know, deep playoff run and their best player has played 
zero playoff games. So mm. I think it might be a year early for New Orleans. In the East, it's it's it, there's you can come up with more reasons why any of the teams won't make the finals than with a definitive reason why they will. Among you know Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly, I think are the the five that you kind of uh, would have to say have a legitimate chance. Um, like Cleveland much like New Orleans, probably too early for their core. Milwaukee might be too thin. Brooklyn might be too small. Uh, and, and Boston has been, you know, after their their amazing start, um, when once their three-point shooting has cooled off a little bit, they've really kind of scuffled for the last uh, month or so. So, um, they, they, you know, they are, they still are atop the, the, the conference, but the distance between them and everyone else has shrunk significantly as as you noted yeah yeah it's going to be a tough one of cool uh, looking forward to that run and seth thanks very much for giving us so much time this morning man really appreciate it uh go well and enjoy the rest of the season and uh hopefully we'll catch up with you soon eh no, thanks for having me. Always fun to come on with you guys. Yeah, cheers, man. Seth Partnow, you can follow him on Twitter, at Seth Partnow. Uh, he is the director of NA Sports, and as Mitch mentioned earlier, also the author of The Midrange Theory. Uh, well worth following if you're a basketball fan. We've got some text to get through. We'll do that. We do have that $50 TAB bonus bet to give away to the text of the morning as well, so keep those coming through. Double eight, double three. This is Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.